Hey guys, welcome to the Fellowship Greenville Students Podcast. This week, Matt Densky talks about Hebrews and the truth that Jesus is better than all else. Matt interviews our three FGS interns, asking them how they came to know Jesus and how they found Jesus to be better than all other things. We hope you enjoy this message. Grab a seat, everyone. And welcome to Fellowship Greenville Students. My name is Matt Densky. I am the student ministry pastor here at Fellowship. It is so good to be with you tonight on a on a summer night. Summers are always a little wonky because uh, a, you know attendance is is different, and then people are kind of traveling in and out, and tons of new faces, and and uh, so it's a little bit different. And tonight's going to be a little bit of a different night as well. But we are so glad you're here. Uh, you are loved here. You belong here. We believe that of you, and we believe God believes that of you as well. And so we thank you for being here. Um, listen, let me ask you a question tonight. Has anyone, uh, anyone ever gotten an upgrade in, in anything? Yeah. You know what I mean by that? Yeah. An upgrade. Have you, seen my phone? <laughs> Have you seen my phone, River says. Okay, so yeah, it could be a phone. Like Apple's releasing new phones all the time. I remember I jumped, I jumped from like a 6 to uh, whatever this is. I think it's a 12, maybe 11. I don't know. That's a pretty, long, that's a pretty far jump. Like going from a six to that, and then before that, I had the 4S, 4S for a long time. Yes, still the best phone in my opinion. Uh, I have it up in my office. It's it's so good. So it could be a phone, Rivers. Maybe you're in need of an upgrade, it sounds like. Yeah, just put some tape on it. It'll be good. Uh, Could be a car. Anyone ever got like an upgrade on your car? Yes, sir. Really? Yeah. (laughs) Jesse. Yes, sir. I have not. I have not, but I, I do remember, I do remember I shared a car with my mom when I started driving, when I first started driving, like we shared a car together because, uh, you know, we didn't have money, so, so that's what we did, and, uh, but I, I do remember eventually when I got my own car, like my, my car, it felt like an upgrade, and then eventually my grandfather, like uh, 15 years later, my grandfather gave me his truck. Um, so sentimental. He kept it in mint condition. It was awesome. I had it for like six months and then a drunk woman T-boned me and totaled it and I lost it and it's heartbreaking. So I'm downgraded now. I'm, I'm downgraded. I've lost the upgrade. It happens. <laughs> it's nice. It happens. Uh, it could be that. It could be like people. It could be friends. Sometimes you upgrade your circles a little bit, hang out with better people, kinder people, nicer people. Uh, it could be like, let's be honest, girls. could be a boyfriend. Like <laughs> you got an upgrade. You know what I mean? Like he's not, he's not the jerk that you dated before. He's not trash, okay? And he treats you better than trash. That's a nice upgrade. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, shots fired. <laughs> Could be anything. Could be anything. So here's what I want you to do. Have you ever gotten an upgrade? You have 30 seconds. Turn to your neighbor. What is the biggest upgrade or most significant or most memorable upgrade you've ever gotten? 30 seconds and go. Share time. <laughs> what has been an upgrade in your life? I got to be honest, I can't hear a word you're saying. <laughs> cool, man. When you max upgraded Ramstone, I don't know what that is, dude. I'm sorry, guys. I, f- I feel like I'm letting you down right now. All right, you have 30 more seconds. 30 more seconds. If you haven't shared, share. This is your turn. Upgrades. All right, time's up. That was a quick 30. Sorry. It's a quick 30. That's a, that's a liminal 30. 
All right, so what were some of the upgrades? What were some of the most significant upgrades? When have you ever gotten an upgrade? Nick? A computer? Nice, man. Sensible. Cool. Nice. Yes. Hey, oh. Android iPhone, and I feel like that's a little dig, a simultaneous dig. For some reason, Android users are like incredibly loyal to their Android, but they know that it's subpar. Yes. Oh, he's your upgrade? Wow. 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 It's good. It's good. He's my upgrade. Anyone else? Anyone else? Yes, Ruby. Your Beamer. The beam, you got a car. You do love whipping in that beam. I, every time I see you in it, every time I see you in it, the top is down, music is blaring, you, you are kind of skirting around, all sorts of stuff. Yes. Trenton. Shoes? Let's see, man. Okay. Nice, bro. Nice. I like them. Nick again? Oh, what's up, man? A dog? That sounds sweet at first, but it's kind of like, dang, dude, how bad was the other dog? Huh. Yeah, okay. Yes, Gabby. Friends? Yeah, nicer friend, kinder friends. Yes, Haley. What? What are you able to eat? Nice. Food? Yes. Okay, so there's upgrades of all kinds, right? There's upgrades. So, so one of my biggest ones is, oh, I guess like... Um, if, if you know me, then you know, like, I love to write. I, like, I love to take notes. It is very rare to see me without my notebook. Like, anywhere I go, if we have a one-on-one meeting at a coffee shop, if we have a one-on-one lunch meeting, if, uh, if I'm at a meeting for work, if I'm anywhere. Like, it's very rare to see me without this. I love to take notes. It's just something I do. Make observations, take notes. Why? Because I want to learn. I want to go back and read. I love to journal. I love to reflect. At the end of the day, I'm, I'm trying to like put my thoughts down on paper so I can go back and check them out later. And I guess this habit started for me um, like when I began college. I thought, I, you know, I should probably start taking notes when I'm, <laughs> when I'm in classes now that I'm paying for school, right? So I got into the, to the habit of it and I would just start to take notes on everything. But inevitably, like as technology progressed, you guys know what eventually came along was the upgrade to pen and paper, which is kind of a laptop. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for complimenting my drip. Uh, I, the, the church provided me with this when I took the job. So yes, thank you. I paid a lot of money for it. Um, so, so this is the, the upgrade to this, right? Uh, like, okay, you're faithful to pen and paper and I respect you because I am too, but, but we got to be honest with ourselves. It is, it is more efficient. You can take notes quicker with this. If there's something you don't understand, you can simultaneously look for information or a definition or a thesaurus or whatever, an antonym even. Like you can, you can get information, you can research, you can Google. Uh, for my millennial folks in the room, you can Bing things when you need to. Yes. For my really, really old folks in the room, you can ask Jeeves when you need to. Holla, you know what I'm saying? Uh, <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much. Like you can, you can have digital copies, then you can share them or you can invite people into the notes you're taking and allow them to add notes and edit things as well. It is by far more efficient. It is easier to take notes. It, it is by far more collaborative on this. And yet still, what I find myself using the bulk of the time is this. It's just pen and paper. And, the, and I have to be honest with you, like when I'm done with this notebook, 
maybe I'll like skim through real quick and like, oh, that was a good one. I'll keep that like page. I'll take a picture. I'll scan it. I'll make it an electronic document, also known as a JPEG. And then, and then you know what I do with the notebook is I'll throw it away. The audacity, right? Like I take all these notes and then they're just gone. But I don't have like a library full of this, these things. It's just a practice for the sake of in that moment, it helps me to learn better by taking notes. But deep down I know if I would do it on this, then I could have those files forever. And I could even organize them, color code them even with different folders and names and whatnot, like nice and fancy. This is by far better in terms of a note-taking system, note-keeping system, note-sharing system, note-organization system than this is. Like if I wanna find a document, all I have to do is like control F, type in what I think the name is, and it'll search the whole computer. If I wanna find a document in here, what am I doing? Brrr, like skimming through, flipping the pages, maybe finding it, maybe not. This is more effective, this is better. And yet, I hardly ever use it for the purpose of taking notes. Honestly, what I use my computer for the most is checking email, and if you know me, you know I'm terrible at that. So, so I don't really use my computer all that much. What I use most is this. It's not as good, that's better. This is uh, an inferior organization system, that's better. This is an inferior uh, search system. It doesn't have one, that one does. I can't share things on this instantly. I can on that. Like in every way imaginable, that's better. And yet what I find myself returning to day after day as a regular practice is this. And I can't even tell you why, because I know that that's better. And it's not even like, oh, I'm a loyalist, like I'm a renaissance man, I like pen and paper. No, it's not even that. It's just like, I don't know. I'm familiar with this, I'm used to this, and I don't wanna make a switch. Do we do that with Jesus? Like, do we do that in our faith? Like, we know that Jesus is better. We've been told that Jesus is better. We've been told that Jesus offers the best life possible. We've been told that he offers hope and forgiveness and salvation. And, and John 10, 10, Jesus has come to give life and give it to the fullest. It's a better life, I would say to you. Like, we know that, but what are our practices? Like, how often in our daily lives are we returning to the old things, to the familiar things? I've just been doing it longer so it makes more sense to me. I, it's so hard to break this habit and go to the better. I know that's better, but I, I just can't seem to get out of this. This rhythm works for me. Did you know you can be convinced of truth, know the truth, and still live in disobedience to the truth? That is possible. Like how often do we know deep down Jesus is better than anything this world has to offer? Some of us know that through trial and error, like maybe for some of you, you're like, no, I'm gonna put that to the test. Like I'm gonna try to live all out, man. And you have found yourself in really dark places and really lonely places and really hollow places and very painful places. And you've come to the conclusion, Jesus offers a better way than this. Some of you didn't have to kind of fall into the ditch to figure that out. Some of you just know, you, you have that, that, that ability to have faith right away and believe it, maybe live into it. Others of you may still be in the journey of it and discovering that for yourself. But the reality is all of us at one point or another have probably held up the better Jesus and we've probably held up the other option, what the world has to offer, our past, our habits, our rituals, things we'll f we're familiar with, the comfortable. And at least one time we've chosen this, right? There's a book in the Bible called the book of Hebrews. 
It's in the New Testament. It's my favorite f- book in the entire Bible. Are you laughing at me, Evie? Because I almost said, fuck. <laughs> yeah, it's my favorite f- book, okay? I almost said it again. Stop laughing, man. I see everything from up here. It's my favorite book in the entire Bible because the underlying theme of that book is that Jesus is better. In fact, out of the 19 times that the word better is used in the New Testament, 13 are in the book of Hebrews alone. The author, whom we don't know, like they're never named, we don't know who wrote the book, but the author has a strong desire to convince the readers that Jesus is better than anything else. And the reason being, the book is written to a group of people who have recently converted into Christianity. They've recently put their faith in Jesus. They're coming out of Judaism, the Old Testament system of faith, prominent in the day of Jesus, at least among the Hebrews. They've come out of that system of religion. They've put their faith and trust in Jesus. And because of that decision, they are experiencing pressure. They're experiencing persecution. They are experiencing shame and ridicule publicly and individually amongst their friends and family. Some of them are being robbed, intentionally targeted because of their faith in Jesus. Some of them are being imprisoned intentionally because of their faith in Jesus. There has not yet been widespread martyrdom and people being murdered for their faith in Jesus at the time of of the writing of the book of Hebrews, but that is about to come. Like everything is building up. The volcano is about to erupt. They sense it's coming and they're being very, very tempted to deny Jesus to turn away from the decision they've made in Jesus and to turn back to their old life and their old system. And so the author of Hebrews is on a mission to convince them why, why would you ever do that when Jesus is better? Why would you return to this if Jesus is better than that? And so the entire book is like a collection of miniature sermons. It's one of the reasons it's my favorite. It's just so fun to kind of dig in chapter by chapter. But the author of the book of Hebrews has a laundry list of the things that Jesus is better than. And again, they're coming out of the Old Testament system. And so he's trying to convince them Jesus is better, 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 better. And so he's painting this picture. Jesus is better than the angels. He is the highest. He is God. Jesus is is, uh, better in terms of delivery. His message is better. He's a better messenger than anyone in the Old Testament because he's not just a servant of God, he's the son of God and his word is the final word. The book is closed. Jesus is better than Moses because he's not a builder in the house of God. He's a builder over the house of God. In fact, he built the house of God. Jesus is better than Aaron and Aaron's priesthood. In fact, Jesus is a better priest than anyone in the Old Testament. It's the first time in history that the priest, giving an offering to God on behalf of the sins of people, gave himself as the offering. Jesus was both both the offering and the offerer. He's a better priest. It was a once and for all offering, fully efficacious for all time. It never needs to be repeated, unlike the offerings of the Old Testament, which had to be repeated every single day, every single year, reminding us of sins. Jesus's was one and done. He's a better priest with a better offering and a better sacrifice. He's better than Joshua because he leads us into a better rest, an eternal rest. He has a better system. He offers a better covenant and acted upon better promises and better guarantees, sealed and promised by God. He gives us a better place to worship, a better sanctuary. Jesus is better and Jesus offers a better hope and it's an eternal hope and it will never fail. 
The author of Hebrews goes on and on and on and on about why Jesus is better. And yet the core group of people in that book are being extremely tempted to deny all that even after having come to the conclusion, like they would agree with what the author is saying. We know you're right. We know that's true. But dude, this old life was comfortable. We know it well. And in that old life, we never experienced the shame and ridicule. We never experienced persecution. And so we're thinking about going back. Why would you go back if you know this is better? And yet we do that in our faith all the time, don't we? Like we're not coming out of Judaism, but Like if there was a modern day version written to this generation, the author would say, listen, Jesus is better than what the world has to offer. Jesus offers belonging and Jesus offers hope and Jesus offers a fulfillment. Jesus can fill the hole in your heart that no decision, no action, no person could ever fill. Jesus is a better, uh, offers a better intimacy than anyone ever could. Jesus is a better friend for you than anyone would ever be. Jesus is a better brother, a family member than anyone would ever be. Jesus offers you uh, Status, not in terms of how we think about it, but the scriptures say that you are adopted, you are co-heirs with Jesus. Jesus uh, sings your praises among the congregation. He intercedes on your behalf. Jesus is not ashamed of his brothers and sisters. And so you have identity. You have purpose. You have direction. You have security. Jesus offers all these things. Jesus is better. And yet, we try to find all those things throughout all these little decisions that we make, knowing this is probably not going to be as good as Jesus, but we still do it anyway. We return to the old ways. Even though we've experienced something better, we still prefer this. Why? Why do we do that? So tonight, I thought it would be kind of uh, cool, since we have summer interns and we only have them for a very, very limited time, I thought it would be cool to invite our interns up to the stage tonight, our three uh, student ministry interns up to the stage tonight, and uh, to kind of do like a little little panel discussion with them, kind of dig into their journey of faith. So guys, please welcome our interns. Go ahead and grab, grab a chair as you guys come. If you need, um, Ellie, right here, lined up on white. If you need uh, an, a reintroduction or a reminder, this is Ellie. Ellie hails to us from in-state, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. You go to CIU. Yes. Best school in the world, really. That's my, that's my alma mater. Met my wife there. No big deal or anything. Um, where'd you go? Aslan. Yeah, please bring that chair, man. Thank you so much. Fun story, Ellie, you interned last summer at a church of uh, a good friend of mine. Yes. Yeah. And I didn't know you interned there until you applied to intern here this summer. And then I was like, oh, reference, I know that dude. And so we, we talked about you in all the best ways. Aslan, you're killing me, Smalls. Come on, man. Okay. Ethan, scoot over just a little bit. Line up with White if you can. Okay. So this is King Aslan. If you guys are fans of Chronicles of Narnia, this is this guy. Sorry, that was an aggressive squeeze there, man. Yeah. Ethan, you're the only one who's not a South Carolinian. You hail to us from Pennsylvania. Yeah. Okay. Ethan, sit right here, bro. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sit right where you're at. So, guys, these are our, our student ministry interns this summer. They are incredible people with incredible stories and journeys. And I thought tonight it'd be uh, cool to talk to them and 
kind of pick their brains and hear their story. And specifically, we're going to focus in a little bit on like Jesus being better. And we want to hear some of your perspectives on how that's um, how you've grown into that or how you've learned that to be the truth through trial and error or maybe you're just someone who like, no, I had faith right away and it was so clear to me based on my past life or whatever. But we're going to hear all that tonight. So guys, thanks so much for being here uh, and being on the panel tonight, the hot seats. So here's, here's, here's what we want to do. Ellie, I'm going to start with you. Uh, and and like we're, we're talking like, you know, three to four minutes here. Nothing, nothing super long. Five tops, maybe 10, 12 at most. Okay. 15 if we're pushing it. But here's what we want to, here's what we want to know is, Ellie, talk to us a little bit about your journey of faith. How did you come to know Jesus? Like, how did you end up not here in terms of your internship, but like here in terms of your faith? Okay, so um, I, I guess, became a Christian or got saved or however you want to say that um, when I was about eight. Um, it was actually after I read the Chronicles of Narnia. Um, the Chronicles of Narnia just put the gospel in like oh. such a clear and simple picture for me. You're welcome. Aslan, way Thanks, to go, Aslan, man. Thanks, Aslan, for that. Thanks for <laughs> saving go, my buddy. soul, I guess. Um, so yeah, I got saved, Thanks I guess, when I was eight. Um, see? Now I'm struggling. I don't want to forget anything. Okay. Um, middle school. We're just going to jump ahead to middle yeah, school. Yeah, that's good. Middle school, uh, first of all, it's rough in general for everybody. Yeah. It's never fun. Our um, middle schoolers are so mean. Don't be mean, guys. I was. No, literally. I was Ellie, a don't. super <laughs> mean person just in general. I, like, hated the world. Um, <laughs> stop making me laugh. <laughs> um, I was a super mean person, um, just really, really angry, and I mm. couldn't figure out why. Um, and then I guess I had like a rededication just like with myself or to myself um, around like eighth grade and then high school hit and that was just like a whole nother mess. I was really, really struggling with um, a lot of anxiety and um, but I didn't know that's what it was at the time. Um, and then a lot of like just a lot of self-hate and stuff like that. Um, didn't know how to deal with it. Didn't tell anybody about it, which is the worst thing you can do. Um, so really, really struggled with that, and I guess found like solace in um, like guys. I guess surprise. <laughs> um, and so I started dating this guy my senior year. Um, super unhealthy relationship. Um, my parents literally like said no from the beginning, but I was 18, and so they were like, "You can make your own choices." And I was like, "I'm gonna do it anyway." Um, huge mistake. Very unhealthy. Um, if you want to know more about it, we can talk about it. And, but that's a one-on-one thing. Um, so super unhealthy relationship. We broke up after my senior year ended, was just like uh, really, I was like in a hole basically of uh, like self-loathing and depression. Um, ended up at CIU, which was like a total God thing. Um, Cause I didn't want to go there, was like very against it. Um, and so I ended up at CIU, um, met this really awesome group of people who convinced me to like go home and like confess a bunch of stuff to my parents. Um, so I did that. Um, Super awesome, really like loving, very like uh, redemptive, I guess. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, God just uh, really showed me like his overwhelming love through that. Um, and then that was freshman year. Um, and then sophomore year was um, learning to like depend on him. And then this past year was, um, I got diagnosed with ADHD. Um, that wasn't fun. Um, it was helpful in some ways, but it was also, like, really hard to just, like, admit that mm -hmm. 
I guess it was just more of like learning to not do things on my own. Um, and so now I'm here. Yeah, yeah great. Super fun. Thanks, Ellie. Yeah. So we're, we're going to come back to you in a minute because I, I want to know, like, when did you actually believe in Jesus, believe in Jesus? I don't know if I heard you say that. I, like, understood who Christ was and what he did for me around, like, age eight. Eight. Um, but okay. I didn't, like, fully comprehend uh, the, like, whole, like... <laughs> Wow, like I'm screwed up. Um, I guess until freshman year of college, really, okay. was like, okay. oh wow. Yeah, it tends to happen that way sometimes, yeah. for sure. King Aslan, yeah, welcome, welcome, brother. It's good to be here. Yeah, thanks, dude. Good job on bringing Ellie to the faith, man. Through, <laughs> man, yeah. it's a tough job. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. Um, thank you for defeating the ice witch or whatever. <laughs> Whatever her name is in the, yeah. All right, bro, same question to you. How did you come to know Jesus? Yeah, uh, so I grew up as a pastor's kid. Uh, my dad has been a youth pastor for about 25 years. Um, and so, you know, grew up in the Christian home. I was homeschooled as well, and so the only two places I knew were the church <laughs> and home. Uh, <laughs> homeschool? Yeah, no, I, and I loved homeschool, and I loved being with my family, and it was great. Um, so I'd say about when I was like three or four, I was in Florida and a huge hurricane hit and we lived in this like, like apartment place and you had these shutters and you'd like shut them and stuff and it was super scary. You could hear the trees like knocking down outside. And so a little four-year-old me was like, I'm going to die. And then I saw my mom praying over my younger brother and I was like, whoa, wait, I want that. Get out of the way, dude. And so yeah, nice. I went and I was like, mom, pray over me. And so she did. And you're so I'd off say, on a good, it's a perfect foot, dude. <laughs> yeah, like, no. dude, <laughs> enough with you. Yes. Pray over me now. So, no, I'd say it was about there that like, it was my first encounter with God. Yeah. Uh, in this moment of like raw pride and arrogance and smiting someone else for receiving a blessing. Yeah, no, it was great. Yeah. Um, That's great, dude. Oh, man. That is great. Yeah. So, so yeah. right there, I usually say that's when I knew of God. I wouldn't really say I knew God. Uh, I think knowing someone is something that's very intimate and knowing of someone is very distant. And so I knew of him. Uh, but then growing up in the church, I didn't really care much about, you know, going to church. I went there and I was like, oh, cool friends and stuff. And like, oh, this God person's pretty cool as well. But never really paid too much attention to him. Who I did pay attention to was girl number one. And uh, girl number one was a kid, like, she was like a girl in high, uh, not high, oh gosh, not high school. I was, I was in the kids' ministry. She was also in the kids' ministry. Uh, and so little, like, fourth grade Aslan was like, man, like, this girl's so cool. And so all I did was focus on her, and that's all I came to church for. Um, and then one day, she just kind of left the church, didn't know why, and didn't know why she left. And so it was kind of in those moments, I was like, God, what the heck, dude? Like, that wasn't that the whole point of church or something? Um... But through that, he was able to reveal himself to me in a really cool way. And so I was like, oh, dude, God's the best. Until girl number two came in. So then girl uh, number two came in. Uh, yeah. And yeah. This, sequel, was sequel. In the, this was in the youth ministry. Yeah. And, uh, and she was great, great Christian and stuff like that. And I was like, oh, man, I want to tell this girl I like her. And mm, being homeschooled. Big mistake, like, dude, big mistake buddy. It's I'll super go ahead and nerve wracking. Right so I was like, hey, like, I just wanted to tell you, like, you know, I really like you. And she said, okay. And then she walked away. <laughs> She walked away. Dude, it was so rough. Now, so now, like a few okay. days later, she came and she was like, hey, I like you too. And I was like, dude, wait, this is so cool. Awesome. 
And then three days later, she moved. So it was like, hey, I'm moving to Alaska. And I was like, <laughs> dang, dude. She's like, dang, man. And dude. so she left. And again, it was one of those things where I was like, God, why? Like, why is this happening and stuff? Because I poured my life into this person and I idolized this person, uh, which was super unhealthy. And God had to humble me again. He said, hey, here I am, and revealed himself in another cool way. So girl number three came yeah. in. Yes. Girl number three. I was waiting. Yeah, no. I knew it would be a trilogy. No, it, it, it was. Um, and this person I ended up dating for two and a half years. And um, it was a very unhealthy relationship. And it was just... Again, one of the biggest struggles was just idolizing this person is that's all I did was I put this person on top of my life. That's all I thought about. That's all I cared about. Mm -hmm. And uh, then we went through a very ugly breakup. Um, and again, I just was like, God, what is going on? Because now I'm, I'm more in high school. I went, well, no, I, this was my freshman year in college. And I was like, God, what is going on? Like, why is this happening? And God, again, revealed himself to me in a really cool way. Um, and this is a real weird verse to come to mind, uh, but it's Isaiah 46 through 8. And basically, God's talking to Isaiah, and he's like, oh, dude, like, tell this to the people. And Isaiah's like, all right, what do you want to tell me? And he's like, all the grass, like, fades and stuff and all withers, and, and it's kind of, like, weird. Like, okay. And he's like, yeah, dude, that's people. And it's kind of weird. Like, well, that's a nice picture. People fade and stuff. Like, that's kind of weird. But then it ends with, but the word of God is always around. Like, it's always there. And it's just one of those things where God showed me that people, man, people are great. And in, in fact, us in life, we were meant to be with people. We're meant to walk life with people. But the problem was I kept idolizing these people as, you know, the top of my life. And God continued to pull them down and show himself there. And so it was a very hard but a really needed way for God to show that he was better in my life mm -hmm. through those moments uh, and again, they were very tough, and they were hard, and there were lots of lots of little mm -hmm. lion tears there. Uh, <laughs> but um, little what tears? Lion tears. Lion, oh, like as. No, that's okay. Yeah, lion. Ha 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 ha! That was so funny. No, so. Um, <laughs> I thought he said lying. Yeah, no, I, I, liar, didn't know, I didn't know. Liar. I didn't know. I didn't know what he was saying. Because no, I'm good. familiar it's with crocodile good. tears, yeah. and I was like, oh, is there another? Are lion tears yeah, something? No. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, but anyway, that was just some of the ways that God was able to break down those barriers and reveal himself to me in really yeah. cool ways. So, Dude. Yeah. It was almost like a process of knowing God, yeah, like yeah. as I continue to know him and those kind of things. And so, yeah. Bro, I love that that girl said, okay. That's like one of the it greatest, was really rough. just matter of fact, like. Yeah, she was just like, okay. And, I th <laughs> and I'm almost positive she tapped my shoulder too. And then she just kind of walked away. Two taps? Yeah. Two tap, two tap, yeah, two taps two is tap. like, here's some comfort, and I'm done. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you know what happened? Her family told her, hey, we're moving to Alaska. She was like, oh, I'll just throw this dude a bone because it won't matter. That's when she came back. <laughs> and no, she I never was like, of that, but you're probably right. <laughs> <laughs> you're probably right. Man, I'm totally kidding. Dude. All right. <laughs> no one would really do that. Um, Ethan, man. What's up, bro? Yeah, how, how did you come to know Jesus? That's a hard act to follow, though. What is your, I can't relate. Yeah, that's, what has what your journey um, been like? Okay, so I grew up in a Christian home. Uh, right? I went to church. I went to Christian school my whole life. I don't remember. I remember thinking, if I sing loud enough in church, maybe Jesus will come to get me. I actually remember thinking that. I don't, I don't think I was like, a, a, I don't think I was believing in Jesus, but I had spiritual thoughts, right? Um, and so I don't know if I ever made a profession of faith when I was younger. I don't remember. But I do remember in third grade, I was 11. 
Um, I remember in science class, the teacher writing on the board, what is matter, right? So matter is something that takes up space. We know this from school. And I thought she was asking, what is the matter? <laughs> right? This is great. That's hilarious. And I, I raised my hand. I said, maybe somebody doesn't know Jesus. And she, she took that to mean that I didn't know Jesus. And so she talked to my mom, and she was like, hey, Ethan's Wait, like sick. you were talking weird cryptically, like yeah. third person, but yeah. but like okay, but, somebody but dude, somebody doesn't dude, know she, Jesus. She's, 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 like, she's amazing. Miss Nickel. I hear she's, you, Ethan. The most legendary third grade teacher ever. Third grade? Third grade, baby. <laughs> Dude, that's hilarious. Yeah, man. Oh, so that's good. She, she went to my mom and she was like, so Ethan said this in class and I just thought it was interesting. So my mom came and asked me and I assured my mom that I was going to heaven. Um, and uh, and then two weeks, two weeks later, I was seriously convicted at a Sunday night service and I'm like, I don't know Jesus. And so I remember... I remember kneeling at my bed and being like, Jesus saved me. Um, but just like Aslan said, um, it's a process of belief. So I would say that um, I would venture to say that, that every day is, is, is a decision to believe in Jesus um, and, to, and to walk with him. Um, I think that we are saved. There's a moment where we believe, but that is a continual choice. Um, and I didn't always choose that, and I don't always choose that. But um, yeah, I rededicated my life to Jesus um, my sophomore year, or sophomore freshman year during summer camp. Can't remember one of those years. Um, I was baptized soon after. Um, yeah, high school was rough. Um, I was really cold, really angry. Um, you wouldn't like sophomore Ethan. Um, yeah, um, just really cold, really angry. Um, I would call myself a Pharisee. Um, so, um, yeah, people didn't want to be around me. I was the kind of person who everybody stops what they're doing when I walk in the room and they're like, Ethan's here, right? Um, and that, I realized that. Um, I realized that I was that I was hurting people through that, that I was hurting myself through that, and so I said, I need to get this figured out. So I remember having a conversation with a good buddy of mine, saying, "Hey, do you see this in my life?" And he said, "Yeah, a little bit." And I was like, "Dude, I apologize." And I started talking to people and just apologizing, and um, God worked through that. He 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 showed me how much pride I have and how much I judge other people often. Um, yeah, so that was. That was a lot of, of um, that was pretty formative through high school. And then right after high school, I did a gap year called One Life. Um, if you're familiar with One Life, it's, um, it's a gap year program where you learn and grow and you do it in community. And um, it's, it's designed to like push you as mm -hmm. far as you can go. It's post high school. It's post high school. And... And there's college credits. There's college credits. Yeah, yes. so it's like freshman year of college in an, in a unique way, experiential learning. Super, yeah, yeah super yeah. unique, super super uh, in your face, just very intimate. Um, and I a lot of things were exposed in my life um, just last year. That was last year. Um, and uh, I made God uh, a religion. Um, not a relationship. 
So I would call, through high school, I would call myself a very religious person. Um, but now I, I sort of push against that because I'm realizing that walk with Jesus is, is a relationship, it's not a religion. So <clears throat> as far as believing in Jesus, it's, it's, an, it's an everyday thing for me. But yeah. That's good, bro. Thanks, man. Dude, I love that you're third grade teacher. Yeah, man. Miss Mickle is awesome. She still teaches. What's her name? Miss Mickle. Mickle. Okay. Ethan. Ethan, Ethan, how old were you? You said third grade and you were 11? I was, I was 11, yeah, dude. That's sixth grade. Dude, that's were you, like, were you? No, I'm sorry. <laughs> so it was 2011. Ah. Third grade. Third okay. grade. What, how old would I have been? I'm, I was 11 and 12 and I would have been nine. Thank you, JJ. So it was okay, 2011 yeah. and yeah. I was in third grade. Hmm. Yeah. Wow. Okay, no, fun story. Uh, fun, fun fact. When I was in third grade, we had a, an art project, like in our art class, and we had to use um, fountain pens. Like that was the assignment. You had to use fountain pens and paint. I never used a fountain pen. Like if you've ever used a fountain pen, you have to like press and, and like angle it and drag, and it comes out this thick black line. You can, you know, be all cool and scriptic. Anyway, I remember I decided to make a sun, and half of his face was like happy, and the other half was like angry. I don't know why. Angry. Dude, uh, I, I, the next thing I knew, my mom was in the classroom after school one day, and my teacher didn't even talk to me about this. My teacher was talking to my mom that she had concerns that I had deep-seated violence. Wow. Um, she, was, she was very wow. concerned about what I might have the potential to do. And Dude, I just remember I was sitting there like, dude, I... I drew a sun, man. Like, I, I never used a fountain pen, all right? Like, it, it bled heavy on the eyebrows. He, you know, he was, like, looking real heavy. Anyways, third grade teachers, bro. They'll, they'll, call, your, they'll call your parents if they're concerned, man. That's what I, I learned. My like, third grade yeah. teacher. Um, all right, so here, here's what I want to ask. Uh, specifically, like, we've got to be a little concise with our answers, but, but Ellie and Aslan, you both... Um, you answered in a way that's very unique because you both pointed to, man, part of my journey was allowing, Ellie, for you, it was a guy in high school. Aslan, for you, is three girls um, <laughs> from the time you were young. And, <laughs> from, from the time you were young and onward. But, but both of you were identifying, man, it, it, it was unhealthy. Aslan, you said multiple times, I allowed that person to become an idol. Like, I, the value system was so jacked up. Ellie, you alluded to and pointed to like it was just very unhealthy my parents said no right away I think that's important um like I you know I love you guys everyone in the room but our culture tells you hey when you're 18 you're an adult and we've kind of interpreted that as oh I'm an adult I'm smart enough to make my own decisions and and I'm telling you right now like there are things (laughs) that I'm not I'm not smart enough to make my own decisions and with certain things biblically speaking there is wisdom in the counsel of many. And so listen to your parents if they have red flags about someone in your life, please. I've just seen too many teenagers go down this road. But here, here's what I want to ask is for both of you, we just had a, a relationship series, a six-week relationship series earlier in the year. We focused a lot on dating and friendships and, you know, intimacy and all those type of things. And so uh, what I want to ask you is, is basically like, how have you found Jesus to be better than that person because it's so easy even at a young age Aslan and especially as a teenager it is so easy to have a connection with someone chemistry with someone 
um, like you're so attracted to them, your world kind of becomes limited to just you and this person. You kind of become defined by their presence and company. You can't imagine life without them. And everything's hinging upon that person in your life, and therefore you open doors towards intimacy and sex and, and all sorts of other things because, I mean, you're emotionally there, so why not physically be there? And Man, it just leads to so much pain and confusion and so many DTRs and like, where are we and what are we and where's this going? And just so much uh, kind of like painful floating without any sense of direction or guarantee that this thing will actually work. So how have you guys found Jesus to be better than those relationships, specifically the dating relationships? I went first last time. And I'm older, so go ahead. <laughs> okay. Yeah, Ellie just had a birthday. <clears throat> um, well, again, I think I, I mentioned it a little bit, um, but it's just the idea that it, the sad reality is people fail. And when you put them on this pedestal and you expect them to be this idea of perfection because you're like, man, they're the best, they're awesome, they're so great. And then when they fail, it just crumbles your world. And then all of a sudden you get mad at them and you're like, dude, what the heck is going on? I thought you were supposed to be all this great stuff. And then so when I was dating the girl I was mentioning for two and a half years, like there were so, so many arguments because I would always elevate her and she would elevate me into this pedestal position. And then when we failed each other, all it was was just arguments about, you know, why we were so horrible. And, um, yeah, it was kind of, it was it was a it was super super yeah. unhealthy rough relationship. Um, and so that was definitely one of the things where Jesus was better, as in that like I know that I can put Jesus up here in my life, and that He's not going to fail, hmm. and I see it constantly in my life. And I think the thing that's so oh my gosh that was so annoying was that in my relationship, it's like you know I look at all the stuff that God has done in my life, and I and I seen it, and I know that dude. It's kind of the analogy you're saying, like, dude, I know Jesus is better. He hasn't failed me, and this person has failed me, yet I continue to elevate this person. And it was just so annoying because I was just stuck in this pattern of doing that constantly. And, um, yeah, and a lot of it had to do with even the emotional connection that we made, which I thought was just so unbreakable. Cause I, and it felt like, yeah. I don't know, like a Band-Aid, but like 10 million times worse trying to rip off. And so um, I know that was one of the main ways that I saw Jesus better in my life was that idea of he does not fail me and that even though I go through hard times and I go through trials in life those trials are meant to build me up uh and um yeah and so that's kind of a brief answer yeah it's really good man it's really good I remember I remember one time in uh, I think I was in like undergrad I had this epiphany that was like Jesus will never have to say he's sorry to me like, he will never have to ask forgiveness for something he's done. And I don't know why, I just remember being like, that's profound. But it was like, <laughs> like Jesus is the only person that that will be true of my entire life, that I will never have to forgive for something. I just thought that was really amazing. That's good. Ellie? Okay. Um, so, in between, like, so me and the guy I dated before, the person I'm dating now, who is wonderful, um... So the guy I dated my senior year of high school, we broke up. And then from freshman year till about half of sophomore year, I was just like rotating through guys, just like flirtationships, like half relationships. Flirtationships. Um, that's a, that's like a that. term yeah. my dad came up with. Thanks. That is, um, that is the word of, word of the year. That is the official perfect. word of the it's year. It's genuinely perfect. It's like a flirtationship is like yeah. when you're talking, which 
that's a, I'm not going to yeah. get into that. Yeah. Anyway, we're going to move on. I already, I've already got into it in my series. Yeah. Okay. Go listen to my uh, two covered. sermons on dating. I talk all about talking. Excellent. Yes. Anyway, moving on. So flirtationships, um, and they it would last for like a month, a couple of weeks. Um, and it was just like they were constantly like failing me in some capacity or another. Um, either like emotionally not being able to like tolerate me because I'm a lot or um, just like uh, not being present when like we're hanging out, like, you know, always on their phone and quality time is like a huge thing for me. Um, Not like spiritually mature enough. um, Whereas like I wasn't, you know, perfect myself, Mm -hmm. but you know, um, just not where I was not going the same direction I was. Um, And so I was just like rotating through them. And then I had one guy friend um, who was actually dating my best friend and he just kind of looked at me one day and he was like, what are you doing? Like, stop. Um, and I got like kind of mad at him at first, and yeah. then I was like, oh, "Okay, this is harmful to myself. Let's <laughs> stop." Um, and so he challenged me to um, essentially take a break from guys for um, a semester, and that was semester of COVID. So um, I was doing it. I was doing super well for like two months, and then around February, uh, COVID hit, and then it's super hard to like not talk to guys when you can like physically just like check your phone across the room, um, and so that. I felt like didn't really count, and so I continued it um, through my internship last summer. I moved to Florence for 10 weeks, and I was like, there's going to be a lot of new boys. I'm just going to, you know, focus on my internship. Um, super great, super, like, huge, like, personal growth. Like, if my life was a movie, it would be, like, the personal growth, like, movie sequence. You know, like in Hercules, where he, like, gets big and strong? That was, like, last summer okay. for me. Um, anyway. <laughs> And so, nice. yes, or I'll make a man out of you from Mulan. Anyway, moving okay. on. Um, I'm sorry, laughing at myself. Um, and so I was like, this is awesome. Like, I'm really feeling this. And I was like, I'm going to keep this going. And so first semester, uh, junior year was super great. Um, had a couple of guys ask me out, and I was just like, mm, nah, like, I'm good. Would come up with, like, some excuse or another, or just be like, nah, like, go away. Um, and then. You tell them okay. When they said they liked you. I did, actually. Works, this one works. guy, he texted me, and he was like, hey, I meant to like, talk to you after we played soccer. And I was like, oh, really? That's great. Um, and he was like, yeah, I was wondering if you would want to get dinner. And I was like, no, okay. And it was, yeah, it was really awkward. Anyway, um, and so just in, like, the whole process of all of that, um, just learning what um the word abide was a big word for me that whole like period year and a half I guess um and so it was just really cool to see how like Christ is so much better than like any flirtation chip or previous boyfriend or yeah. current boyfriend or anything like that so yeah yeah that's good thanks Ellie appreciate that I think one of the things we we try to find in others is uh value security connection and those are great things, like, like I find those in my wife, you know, and done properly, it can be really powerful, but, but Jesus offers those in ways that are profoundly better than a flirtation ship would ever be, so thanks for your vulnerability. All right, Ethan, aka Mowgli from the Jungle Book, yes. except you shaved your head. <laughs> Ethan, before the summer, your hair was like down to here, is that right? Yeah, right here. Man, dude. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, Nice. All right, so quickly, I want to ask you something, because I think you said something that's really, really interesting, um, like your faith was very much a religion, you would say, and you also said this statement that was really profound to me, which was like, 
Like I believe in Jesus every day. Like I, you know, there is this one moment in your life when you decide like I'm in, right? Like you, you said that, but it's also a daily decision. I've, I've heard it said kind of like this, the gospel doesn't just save you, it sustains you. Like you need it every day, it's not just one thing. So the reason I love that is because I think within, a, you know, church culture, within um, especially like youth group culture, we have this um, kind of like every year we have a huge retreat in our youth group. We do the same thing. It's called Epic. And, you know, students know it's coming and we just did a promo for it. And on Epic, it's like all the barriers go down, all the walls go down. And it's like, <laughs> I need Jesus, right? Like it's this huge come to Jesus <laughs> moment. And you get the, 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 you know, the retreat high, that type of thing. Um, and you're kind of living from retreat to retreat. Like I see it with students a lot. Like, dude, you know, a month after Epic, it's like, oh, my life sucks. I'm fooling around with my girlfriend again. Like, I'm making really unwise decisions. Ugh, like, what am I going to do? Oh, I'll wait till next September at the next Epic, and then I'll kind of lay it all out. And like, okay, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. So, yeah, um, it's very unwise and very harmful and hurtful. So, but what you said is really interesting because it's like, dude, it's not just a one and done decision. Um, you know, so many people I've met in life that are like, oh, I prayed when I was three and seven months to believe in Jesus and I haven't walked with him in 16 years but dude I prayed that when I was a toddler yeah. I was like all right let's talk about the daily <laughs> walk though so so elaborate on like how is Jesus better than the pray at once and you never live it how is he better than the religion of Christianity how is the relationship better so so speaking of that because I think you had a really um, you know insightful Story. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so I mean, I guess to sort of like draw out this uh, believing daily thing, like if if Jesus, if our if walking with Jesus is a relationship, and um, I think we can compare that to the relationships with the people around us. So we don't we don't tell our friends that we're friends with them every year. Um, during a week at camp and then never talk to them again or never act like we're friends with them, right? So it's, it really is the same when we walk with Jesus, and that's the process of belief, is it saying, Jesus, I trust you and I believe in you, and then continuing to choose to do that every single day. And that's, that's better because, guys, Jesus loves you back. So if, if I'm asking Jesus, if I'm rededicating my life at summer camp every year, and I'm saying, Jesus, I want to follow you, and that it stays at that, that system that you might go away holding yourself to, like I have to do these things because I want to stop this or I want to change this practice of behavior or whatever, like if, if, if that is your goal to do better, or to, to not do something, that's like a system, and systems don't love you. They'll never love you. Okay, but like Jesus loves you back, and that's why he's better, and that's why a relationship is better. Um, a relationship is also better because, like if you've ever had a true friend, one thing about a true friend is that they can sit in those messy moments with you. And they, they know the, the whole sphere of your emotions. So they've seen you 
angry and furious and depressed and sad and overjoyed. They've seen it all. They've seen every, every angle. Um, and when we walk with Jesus like it's a relationship, we realize that he already knows us completely and he already sees it all. And so we can share it all. So I'll just be transparent with you guys. The other night there's there's some stuff going on and uh, I wasn't feeling it. I just wasn't feeling anything from him. And I got angry and I said some things in a prayer to him that I probably shouldn't have said. And then I was thinking about that later and I was like, but he can take that. And he still loves me and he still embraces me for that. Um, and when it's just a list of, I don't want to do this, I want to stop doing this, I should start doing this. We, we tend to limit the way that we relate to God because it's just like, I need to clean up my act and I need to look better for you. And it's not like, here's all of my heart, Jesus. Do whatever you want with it. You know? So, uh, yeah, man, um, I think that a big thing is that Jesus loves us back and religion won't. So. It's a good word, dude. I appreciate the relationship metaphor. If I only ever loved my wife on our anniversary, I'd be a very pitiful husband. So it's, it's the, the daily grind, including the fights, including the dis- disagreements, including the really, really high moments, you know, the, the intense, like, man, we just love each other, we love this, and then the moments that are like, gosh, I'm, I'm just being a turd of a husband right now. And like all of those things um, form our relationship. And then we, we know each other deeper, and when we extend grace, we love each other better. But if I only ever loved her October 27th every year, be a really shallow relationship. So, dude, thanks for pointing us there. That's good. That's good. Guys, I wish we, we had more time. Thanks so much for your insights. Guys, give it up for our interns. They're amazing. Thanks for sharing, y'all. It was good, man. It was good. All right, let's, let's pray. And, uh, and we're going to close in one final song. Jesus, thank you so much for Ellie and Aslan and Ethan and their stories, uh, which are smaller parts of your story that you allow us to be in and you invite us into. Jesus, we thank you so much uh, for what you've done in each of their hearts and lives. And we pray that every single person in this room would one day, uh, and maybe that's today, or it's already happening, but but would be able to point to their journey and say, man, here's when it got real for me. Here's when Jesus got real. Here's what he brought me through. Here's what I've learned. Here's why I know he is better than the relationship or the idol or the religion or whatever it is, Jesus has proven himself to be better and I've discovered him as better. And so Jesus, we pray that that would be true of every single person here. Jesus, we ask these things in your name in the power of your spirit, amen.